Welcome to MBA in a Day, a brief, deep, and easy to understand place to get and apply important business concepts and principles, the same that are taught in top-tier MBA programs. I'm Professor Strausser, and in the 25 years that I've been teaching in elite MBA programs, I've noticed folks like doctors, attorneys, engineers, scientists, nonprofit executives, small business people, entrepreneurs, folks that are already well-educated, already smart, but may not have had the kind of business training that they need to be successful in their business or practice. So whether you're listening to this in your car, while commuting to or from work, on a plane, at the gym, on the beach, or just want to learn about business, let's get started with this episode's exploration of critical business concepts. A pure corporation is set up, and usually it is a process that um, requires a certain amount of paperwork, articles of incorporation, uh, shareholder agreements. Uh, it's it's a pretty formalized kind of process, and it also requires pretty regular reporting, at least on an annual basis. So if you form a corporation, irrespective of whatever state you happen to choose to uh, form that corporation, uh, you, you're probably at least going to have to file an annual report to that state, uh, letting them know about the uh, activities of the business. If you uh, do not report on a regular basis pursuant to whatever state requirements are, then that state may uh, consider your corporation dormant and, you know, in effect, close the corporation down in terms of its legality. So it's very important to... uh, to maintain the expected record-keeping and reporting that's associated with starting a a corporation. And in many publications and so on, this is called a C-Corp. C-Corp is is a very traditional, straightaway kind of corporation where corporations set up and shares are authorized for people who are owners of the corporation The shares represent their relative ownership interest. Earlier, I I talked about how you could set up a corporation in almost any state and that there are certain states that are more desirable than others uh, to set up a corporation. And uh, the one state that is most often chosen as a state to incorporate in is, is Delaware, If you follow the stock market and get annual reports from companies that are listed or uh, public traded, you'll almost always see that uh, that corporation has its uh, legal headquarters, maybe not the corporate headquarters, but legal headquarters will be in Delaware. And that's because Delaware, being one of the original 13 colonies, was sort of uh, thought of as the um, the business state. And so starting as a very young country, businesses would gravitate to Delaware to set up their legal form. And because of doing that over 
hundreds of years, there also has been a great deal of case law that has developed uh, simply by the fact that so many companies have their legal um, headquarters or their legal operation, more, to, more or less, in Delaware, that uh, case law has been very well developed. And it's not that Delaware courts are necessarily favorable or biased towards business, but Delaware courts understand business maybe much more so than, say, South Dakota. Um, so if you incorporate in Delaware and there is a case brought against your company and it goes to adjudication, the fact that the, the judge and if there's a jury, uh, although a lot of corporate law is uh, decided uh, by a judge or by a, a panel of judges, but nonetheless the uh, aptitude for business is so much greater in Delaware that at least your company will have a fairer shake in terms of just having whoever's making the legal decision knowledgeable about business. So uh, a lot of corporations over the years and in the future will likely uh, be found as being domiciled or headquartered legally in in Delaware. If you are an entrepreneur um, and you are really looking for venture capital financing, let's say, and you're expecting to have a very high growth company and uh, go public one day, you will almost out of necessity be a Delaware C Corp because venture capitalists like to see Delaware corporations as the legal entity for the um, high growth companies that they are are backing. So a corporation, C Corp as we've been calling it, a very um, uh, very widespread kind of legal entity, as I mentioned. Uh, you know, each state handles the registration of corporations in a little bit of a different manner. Some, some do it through their um, secretary of state office, for instance, of the state. Some do it through a um, securities department, maybe within the state, or a commerce department within a state. Nonetheless, um, each state will have a different set of kind of rules and regulations as to how to file and how to maintain your corporation in in that state. So let's move on to some variations. So when I mentioned the C-Corp, I also mentioned that it um, comes with a lot of paperwork and a lot of filing and a lot of annual report uh, submissions and so on. And as a relatively newer form of legally, a legal limited liability company, 
as a relatively newcomer is the form, just for shorthand, called an LLC, Limited Liability Corporation, Limited Liability Company. And those two are are done on a state-by-state basis. But the LLC really came about because there seemed to be a need for maybe a simpler way to form a corporation and also one that maybe didn't contemplate having thousands of different owners because in a pure C-corp, you can authorize, you know, millions and millions of shares of your stock and theoretically you could have millions of shareholders, which also makes things very, very complicated for the corporation. So looking at the need to have a limited liability kind of company, but not wanting to have all of the uh, extensive paperwork and reporting requirements and formalization over the last 50 years or so, most every state now has adopted an LLC form of entity, which is arguably much more simple to form. Um, I've formed several here in Arizona, my home state. And for me, it was, um, you know, a 20 minute um, time at the uh, Department of Commerce, I believe, in our state, maybe like a two page form. It was like $45, and uh, I walked out of there with as an LLC. Now, you have to also do some things like publish um, your articles, which are you know, very, very brief in an LLC, and uh, do that. But you know, very quickly, uh, an LLC can be formed. And one of, the, one of the provisions, though, of an LLC, however, is that there are a limited number of owners. So in a C-Corp, you can have thousands and even millions of owners. In an LLC, depending on the state, you'll be limited to sometimes 30, 35, 75. But the idea is that an LLC is for a company that wants limited liability and knows that it's not going to have a lot of different owners. And so they want to keep things kind of simple. Now, it doesn't mean that by forming an LLC, you're going to have a very small company. So, for instance, if you uh, if you were in Manhattan and uh, you look up some of the billion-dollar office buildings uh, in Manhattan, look up their ownership, you'll see that a lot of them are owned by LLCs. So these are billion-dollar assets that may only have like two or three owners, but they want the limited liability feature, and so rather than forming a C-Corp, they have formed an LLC. So LLC is a um, uh, relatively quick and easy way to set up a company. And there's one other important um, element of an LLC, and that is a a pass-through in terms of taxes on profits. So let's back up a minute. We'll go to the uh, Pure C-Corp. The Pure C-Corp is in business. It 
generates profits for the corporation. So the profits for the corporation uh, are taxable, and so the corporation will pay taxes on the corporation's profits. And then the owners, the shareholders, they want to get paid because the company's been profitable. So the corporation will declare a dividend, and that dividend will be passed on to its shareholders. And when the shareholders receive those dividend dollars, then the shareholders receive that money as ordinary income, and the shareholders pay income taxes as regular income. So one of the issues with a pure C-Corp is considered double taxation. That is, the corporation is taxed, and the people who own the corporation are taxed based on the dividends that they receive out of the earnings of the C-Corp. This is being brought to you by MBA in a Day 2.0. Why spend years and $50,000 when you can get the recently updated classic business bestseller with easy-to-understand business principles and concepts, the same as those taught in top-tier MBA programs? Listeners to this broadcast can save $5 off the $19.95 retail price by going to mbaintheday.com and entering the code MBA2.0. So, in an LLC, one of the advantages is this pass-through idea. And that is that the LLC itself is not taxed in terms of profits or losses. Rather, whatever the profits or losses are for the LLC, they are passed through to the owners on a pro rata basis or on some kind of formula so that it skips the fact that the company is being taxed and only its owners are receiving the tax implication. Now, in a lot of startups where it's pretty much assured that there are going to be some losses, an LLC becomes a very attractive form of legal entity because of the pass-through aspect. Those losses go, through, go pass through to the owners, and then the owners can use those losses to offset uh, income or sometimes gains from uh, on their personal income tax returns. So let me just make one caveat here, and that is when I am talking about tax aspects of all of these things, uh, please um, take these in kind of general terms, and whenever making a decision uh, that uh, has a tax impact, be sure to get the advice of a good tax advisor who is knowledgeable in your particular state, knowledgeable in your particular tax situation, and also knowledgeable in the taxable aspects of the different forms of organization that you might be involved in. But nonetheless, the uh, uh, LLC 
has this feature of uh, pass-through, which, uh, which again can be pretty, uh, pretty attractive. So other versions of corporate entities. Uh, you may also hear of the term an S-corp. And an S-corp is really a, um, a creature of the Internal Revenue Service. So remember, I've been talking about the fact that corporations are really governed by the different states. However, in the case of an S-corp, the IRS will make a determination based on whatever criteria is part of the regs at the time, and they change, so I'm not going to go over the specifics. But <clears throat> the IR, if you want to become an S-corp, you will contact the IRS. They will look at your corporate form and then stipulate that you qualify as an S-corp. And so the S-corp has certain advantages. Uh, it, too, usually offers a pass-through provision. It, um, it is usually, I think it still currently is, only available to founder, corporate founders who are U.S. citizens because it's a, a um, creature of the IRS code. So uh, there are certain limitations to the S uh, form of a corporation, but it does have some tax advantages and there to uh, look to the advice of a good tax uh, counselor in looking at election of an S-corp. I guess probably the last form of entity that we'll talk about is a is the nonprofit organization. So nonprofit organizations are generally corporations, just like, you know, being formed in different in whatever state. And it, too, is a creature of the Internal Revenue Service. So if you want to form a nonprofit, you will just file a paperwork for a corporation. And if your state does not have a provision for a specific form of entity that is, by its very nature, a nonprofit, then you will file an application more or less or you'll you'll contact the internal revenue service you'll have to satisfy certain criteria related to the nature of your business uh, how you'll be treating revenue how you will uh, be treating profits and in, in nonprofits it's really not considered profit um, it will then the IRS will then issue a, a determination letter that uh, will, uh, if approved, will give you the standing to call yourself a, a nonprofit. And there, there are many different versions. Uh, 501c is probably the most um, um, well-represented one, but they're, uh, depending on whether you are a religious organization, if you are a political organization, 
lots of different categories of nonprofits that will uh, be a part of the application process. But the bottom line is that in a nonprofit with that status, uh, you are then exempt from having to pay taxes on the excess of revenue compared to expenses. In a lot of cases, you may be exempt from having to pay property taxes on real estate that might be owned. Uh, there may be exemption from paying sales taxes on certain things that are purchased by the nonprofit. But again, it would be very important to seek the advice of a tax advisor, especially one who is familiar with the um, provisions of the IRS and how it relates to different types of, of non nonprofits. So that's a kind of a general overview of the different legal forms of organization, legal types of entities, so that now when you hear about a LLC or you hear about a nonprofit, you'll have some really basic understanding of the differences and uh, also important if you are uh, interested in starting a business, uh, you'll have a better idea of the different forms and different options that you, you might want to elect. Thank you for listening to this episode of MBA in a Day. Why spend years and $50,000 when you can get the recently updated classic business bestseller with easy-to-understand business principles and concepts, the same as those taught in top-tier MBA programs? For listeners to this broadcast, you can save $5 off the $19.95 retail price by going to mbaanaday.com and entering the code MBA 2.0.